0: Please take your copy of God's Word and join me at Matthew chapter 5. And the words to which I would call your attention this morning come to us from verses 43 through 48 of the fifth chapter of Matthew's Gospel. Hear now God's holy and inerrant Word. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his Son rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the Word of our God abides forever. Let's pray. Our heavenly Father, it is... Our hearts desire to be like You in every regard and especially in Your love. Father, You are infinitely, eternally, and unchangeably a loving and a gracious God. Now we recognize that all of Your attributes of grace and mercy flow from Your goodness. You are good and we praise You. Lord, would You, in Your goodness, help us this morning to understand your word, and to apply your word so that we might reflect the truth of these words in the culture around us to the glory of Jesus Christ. We ask it in his name. Amen. Now let me just give you, I I, I failed um, uh, uh, to, to tell Danny, but I want to tell you that Linda Young is doing well this morning. The report I got from her daughter Kim is that she's doing well Um, They expect to move her to a room, a regular room today, so we'll give thanks for that. She has had some experience of AFib, and so they gave her a medication to help with that. That seems to have settled things out. They're going to wean her off that medication uh, over the next few hours. So please, as you pray for Linda, uh, ask that the Lord might let her heart beat regularly even as she comes off the medication. Thank you for praying for her. Well, as we think about this passage of Scripture this morning, um, we are reminded that like like arteries, thinking appropriately about Linda and her heart procedure, like arteries, uh, you and I as God's children are to be vessels through which the love of God flows into His creation. We are the arteries that carry the love of the heart of God into creation, nourishing and building it up. Sadly, uh, many of us don't function like healthy veins, do we? We function more like blockages. We are so filled with bitterness and hatred for others that rather than vehicles through which God's love is delivered, we need a bypass. We become dead arteries. This morning as we turn our attention to these final verses of Matthew chapter 5, we are reminded of Jesus' love for His people and His call upon us to deliver love. We learn from these passages that God commands the love of His people even towards those who hate them. And if you possess this love, it is evidence that you are a true child of God. We've been looking at these uh, passages of Scripture which uh, began with verse 21 of chapter 5. You have heard that it was said to those of old. There's this, what we've called antitheses, and I didn't make that word up. It's just the officially accepted term. Um, You have heard that it was said, but I say to you, and there have been... Uh, six of them in total. So, eight beatitudes, six antitheses that Jesus has set down for us. This last one deals with a fundamental human characteristic love. If we took a break right now and went out onto the streets of Macomb and Summit and asked the individuals that we encountered in Walmart, Uh, to give us a definition of love, I, I think we could be pretty guaranteed that every single person we ask would define love for us. And if we said, now, are you a loving person? Every single one of them would say, well, yeah, pretty much, right? My love outweighs all the other parts of me. Jesus draws attention to a common saying amongst the people. Notice in verse 43. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. You know that God did in fact command the love of His people. For instance, in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18, He said to them, you shall love your neighbor... As yourself. But there's a second clause in this statement, isn't there? You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. In other words, this is what uh, the people who were gathered around the seated Christ had heard proclaimed love your neighbor, hate your enemy. That's the right thing to do. The second clause, hate your enemy. Is not found in the Old Testament. This was an addition to God's word by the rabbis and one that Jesus sought here to correct. And so his instruction to them is going to take on four principal points. The first of which, in verse 44, is You must love those who hate you, you must love those. Who hate you. Look with me at verse 44. I'm sorry, yeah, verse 44. But I myself, there's an emphasis there. I myself am saying to you, do not <clears throat> love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. But I myself am saying to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. At this point, we need to take just a moment to define love and hate. Because, like I said a moment ago, every one of us has a natural definition of love. This just points to the fact that you and I are made in the image of God. We understand what love is to a degree. I think some some would be tempted to say, well, this is... Jesus here is using the term agape love, and that tells us that he's referring to a very divine sort of unchanging love. Uh, This is not phileo love. You think of the term Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. This is not brotherly love. Well, In reality, those two terms are probably just synonyms that can be interchanged with one another. God, the Father, has phileo love for the Son. Christ has phileo love for His children, for His brothers and sisters, as it were. They're different words, but probably aren't that distinct. We we understand what it means to love really by illustration, not by definition. Hence the reason that we have John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His Son. Love led on the part of the Father and on the part of the Son to action. Later... In Matthew's Gospel, a lawyer will ask, who is my neighbor? Here, as we think about the illustration of what love is, you and I need to ask, who is my enemy? It is not someone you don't like. Jesus is not telling you, You know that person that you really don't care for. You need to address that and instead you need to to love that person. The term enemy refers to hatred and hostility. The command, therefore, could be translated, love those who are hostile toward you. You. In other words, the enemy is not someone you don't like. It is someone who has set, set himself against you. Someone who has made his position clear, I don't like you. It is someone who might, in this context, pursue you. It is someone who is pursuing your harm. It is someone who would delight and cheer and clap if you got hurt. It is someone who slanders you, who is seeking your harm, set against you, not just someone you don't like. They are your enemy because they have declared themselves your enemy. The command could be translated, love those who are hostile toward you. Rather than reciprocate their hatred, in other words, to give back to them as they are giving to you, Jesus commands his followers to love those who hate them. Now, Israel had a long list of enemies. When Jesus spoke these words to them, you remember that they were not a free people. They were living under Roman subjugation. They were living in occupied territory. They weren't placing their feet on ground that belonged to them. And in times past, their God given objective was to obliterate their enemies. You think about these words from Deuteronomy chapter 7. When the Lord your God brings you into the land that you are entering to take possession of it and clears away many nations before you, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, seven nations more numerous and mightier than you, and when the Lord your God gives them over to you and you defeat them, then you must devote them to complete destruction. You shall make no covenant with them and show no mercy to them. And we could go on, couldn't we? We've referred, as we've looked at Esther, to the Amalekites, their long-lived enemy, or the Philistines and Goliath. Here, Jesus is reminding us that though these people are against them, and God has commanded them to judge these people, they should not construe this as a command to hate them. They are not commanded to hate those who occupied the land God was giving to them. And although Israel carried out justice against the enemies of God, this should not be construed as a command to hate. So we can understand when Jesus confronts this people in his day that many perhaps had. Well, Jesus, uh, God has commanded us to conquer our enemies. We must hate those who come against us. Here, the incarnate God teaches them that it is God's will for his people to love even those who hate them. Why is this important for us? Why does God command us to love? Well, secondly, because love gives evidence of sonship. Notice in verse 45, love gives evidence of sonship. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Why? so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. What is the basis of Jesus' command to you to love your enemies and to pray for those who seek your harm? Why does He command you to do that? Because you are children of God. The Israelites were God's people. He chose them in Abraham and He set His love upon This people. But what's been clearly demonstrated throughout Scripture is that not all Israel are true sons of God. Or as Paul will put it, not all Israel is Israel. Jesus teaches His people here that those who truly belong to God love their enemies. The Apostle John brings this out in his first epistle. Let me ask you to turn over to with me, hold your finger here, and turn over to 1 John. You remember, John was the apostle of love. He was the one whom Jesus loved. Who better than to teach us about true love and sonship? Look with me at 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. First John four seven. Beloved, let us not love I'm sorry, let us love one another. For love is from God. Notice these words. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. So one of the first fruits in a believer's life, apart from the acknowledgement of sin, the recognition of your guilt before a holy and a just God, one of, the, one of the primary fruits in your life that declares you belong to God as a child is what? You love others. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 5. We'll get another... Apostolic confirmation of this truth in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 to 2. Here Paul writes, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. How? How do we imitate God as his beloved children? Walk in love. Well, how? As Christ loved us. Well, how did Christ love us? Well, He gave Himself up for us. A fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. John and uh, his epistle will write that we are to love as Christ Love. This is the kind of love, remember, illustrating love, not just defining it. It is the kind of love that sets aside personal conveniences. That sets aside personal priorities. Why? In order to fit and fill the need of someone else. Jesus did not die because He had a need. He existed in perfect, eternal exaltation. But because you had a need, and because He loved His creation, He took human form to Himself to die for you. And John and Paul and Christ Himself are saying to you, look at this, If you are true sons of God, like the Son of God, you will love your enemies. Turn back to Matthew 5. When you are born again, the Spirit of God affects changes in your life when He unites you to Jesus Christ in a true and a vital union, when you are engrafted into Christ like that artery now flowing through you is a new kind of life, a living kind of love. He enables you to love like you've never done before. And this is Jesus' point. The sons of God love as God does. But how is this love of God demonstrated? How might I know if I'm demonstrating this kind of love? Well, notice Jesus goes on here in verse 45. So that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. Well, how does he love? Especially with regard to enemies. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. God literally causes His Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and He causes rain to come on the just and on the unjust. So as you look out through Palestine, you don't notice storm clouds rolling through, and every time it comes over a Jewish home, it lets out a little rain and then stops. And then lets out a little rain and then stops. Your loving Father gives basic necessities to every human being on earth, Democrat and Republican, black and white, or whatever distinction you wish to make, God provides for them all, and Jesus is calling you to look upon this as a demonstration of His love. No one on earth has an existence that is independent of God. Paul, when he was debating the Athenian philosophers in Acts chapter 17, he said, in Him we live and move and have our being, every one of us. And Jesus wants you to note that God causes His Son to rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain to the just and the unjust. God provides for His enemies. Every meal enjoyed by those who deny God are eating from His hands. Do you know that this morning many people are sitting down to have breakfast with no thought No no thought of love toward God and they are eating their fill from His hand. Although He would be justified at any moment to totally blot out our existence, He lovingly provides for the whole earth. Therefore, those who are truly born of God will image the love that God j- demonstrates. You will love those who set themselves against you. And this love will not merely be a feeling. Well, well pastor, I, f- I feel love. I-, I promise you, I feel I'm loving toward that person. <laughs> no, that's not what Jesus says. It will exhibit itself in action. as you seek to serve your enemies and do good to them in exchange for their evil. This is the reason that we read that proverb that you said to your children all through their school days, do not rejoice when your enemy falls and let not your heart be glad when he stumbles. Lest the Lord see it and be displeased, and turn away his anger from him. Or Proverbs twenty-five verses twenty-one to twenty-two. If your enemy, if your enemy is hungry, what do you do? Laugh at him? Ha ha! If you turn to Jesus, you'd have all your fill. If your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. Give him water to drink for you will heap burning coals on His head and the Lord will reward you. And make note of this. This is not super-Christianity. This is basic Christianity. This is fundamental Christianity. You and I should not assure ourselves that we are truly born of God if we are content only to love those who love us and content to hate those who hate us. I can tell if a cake is done by putting a fork or a toothpick into it. I can tell if you are a Christian or not by observing how you love those who don't love you. Those who are truly born of God, Jesus teaches us here, sincerely, joyfully, and sacrificially love others, even those who cause their harm. This Today, some of you probably know, is the International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church. And we think about our brothers and sisters all around the world who experience day-to-day persecution. You know there are children who are orphans because their parents professed faith in Christ. You know that. There are women who are widows and husbands who are widowers because they would not turn away from Christ and we read about one man by the name of Jamal he was a converted muslim from ethiopia when when jamal converted to christ he was beaten and abused not not by folks in his neighborhood but by his father and his brothers Jamal reported that his father and his brothers and other men beat and tortured him in an attempt to persuade him to return to Islam. What a religion. Jamal said he heard that his father and his brothers are still trying to find him. They want to kill him. But he hasn't talked to his family since that attack. He says, they won't give me a chance to sit together so I could tell them about Christ. But this is what Jamal says. Jamal said the Lord has helped him to see his enemies in a new light. He refuses to hate them. These are his words. Even though they were hating me, and they are still trying to kill me, something in my inner being said love. God has another reward for me. My portion is just to love them and reach out to these people. This is true love. It is illustrated. It is demonstrated in an action, and particularly our Lord says, in an action of loving your enemies, of seeking to do good to them. Our our third point is, Builds on this. Love is not just reciprocal feelings. Verses 46 and 47 of Matthew 5. Love is not just reciprocal feelings. That means feelings. I I feel toward others the way that they feel toward me. Look with me at verse 46. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Jesus, He continues, notice, He continued to press this point down for those who are listening to Him. It's it's as though He perceived that this is going to be one of the most difficult points for them to grasp. Right, I can get, keep my word, I can get the ethical dimension of, of not hating others, of, of putting that to death, of how that might harm me, especially my brothers. Yes, I shouldn't hate my brothers. I get that. Don't divorce easily. I get that. And ethical, there's a civil and a societal good to having good marriages, even if not in the Lord. I get that. But you're really going to end with hate your enemies? (laughs) So Jesus gives us two illustrations. He says, listen, even tax collectors love those who love them. If you are loving the people who love you, and that's it, good you're just as good as a tax collector. In Jesus' day, there were two types of tax collectors. There was sort of level one, which was the Roman citizen who collected taxes for Rome. Then there was level two, which might be a Jewish citizen who said, you know what? I'm going to collect taxes for Rome. And it doesn't take a lot of imagination to understand which of the two was more hated. You can imagine if one of your own countrymen said, yes, I will join with Rome to confiscate the goods of my brothers keep a little for myself. These men were turncoats, betrayers of their own people. We see two illustrations of them in Matthew himself, who wrote this gospel was a converted man as a tax collector in Zacchaeus who climbed up in the sycamore tree. And these men were hated Is there anything worse than your own countryman who is your enemy? How? By taking, by graft, and by greed what belongs to you by right. The very thing that you've worked for to provide for your family, and he takes it. Well, Jesus said, if you love those who love you, guess what? You're just as good as those men that you view to be the lowest in your society. You're just as good as a turncoat and a betrayer. Congratulations. It is to say, how are you special? How are you above these men if your character is the same? The second illustration. And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than the others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. Even the Gentiles, Jesus says, refuse to greet their enemies. What does he mean by greeting here? Well, it's more than just in the grocery store, the passing, hey, how how are you doing? This is a greeting of of welcoming, of receiving a person, perhaps even showing that person hospitality. In Jesus' day, again, the term Gentile was used to refer to any non-Jew. There was Israel, and then there was all the nations, the Gentiles. The Jews were God's people. As we've already seen, they were elect from all the nations. They are the ones who received the law and the special designation as uh, as God's worshipers. But you see now then, here Jesus is turning the screw in His illustration, driving it down, saying this, How are you God's elect people if your character looks just like the non-elect If you are God's people, why does your character and behavior look just like the character of God's enemies? Here we should make a critical distinction by what it, by what it, between what it means to love our enemies and what it does not mean. You know that God does not condemn all hatred. In Psalm 5 5, we read that God hates his enemies. Turn with me to Psalm 5. Psalm 5, verse 5 The boastful shall not stand before your eyes, you hate. All evildoers, God's wrath uh, and enmity abides on evildoers. Uh, we're reminded here that it's not sin that God will punish in hell; it is sinners. Malachi chapter two and verse sixteen, we read that God hates divorce. And in Exodus chapter eighteen, verse twenty-one, we uh, God was seeking men who hated covetousness. Now, this is not a condemnation of all hatred. Some hatred, therefore, is godly. It is a godly thing to hate sin in your own life. God does not condemn carrying out justice against those who break His law. God is a just God. God and so he's not contradicting himself here. Also, God is, does not condone joining with the wicked to carry out their plans. In 2 Chronicles chapter 19, we read of Jehoshaphat joining with Ahab to go to war with his enemies. And Jehoshaphat was condemned by God for doing that. What God is calling you to do is set your heart. Listen, to set your heart to desire the good of those who do you harm and everybody in between. Let me say that again. God is calling you to set your heart to desire the good of those who do you harm, especially praying for their conversion. Do not return hate for hate and harm for harm. The more you are harmed by another person, the more you ought to pray for that person. The more someone hurts you, The more you should seek to demonstrate love, kindness, and mercy to those people at every chance you get, this is the evidence you are truly born of God. Lastly, number four, verse 48, turning back to Matthew 5. Love concludes it all. Love concludes it all. Notice verse 48. You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Verse 48 sums up this entire section. Remember that Jesus opened the section uh, by saying, For I tell you, unless your righteousness Exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. That's chapter 5, verse 20. So here's the bookend. What is the goal then? What's the object for us? It's not at looking at the external religious leaders of our day. They are not our standard, not for you as an individual. Your standard is God Himself. You look to Him. That's the negative aspect. Don't be like them. Here's the positive. You must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. The real issue here, think about this deeply, please. The real issue here is you likely do not understand the gospel of Jesus Christ if you are comfortable harboring bitterness and hatred in your heart for other people. You likely do not fully understand the gospel of Jesus Christ if you are comfortable harboring bitterness and hatred in your heart for other people. You cannot understand the magnitude of your sin and the depth of God's wrath against you. You cannot understand the extraordinary work that Christ did to undergo the miseries of this life, the wrath of God, the cursed death on the cross, death and burial for men who hate Him from birth. If it does not make sense to you that God could call on you to cherish the man who wants you dead then perhaps you have never seriously considered the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Perhaps deep down, you believe you really deserve redemption. You really deserve for Christ to shed His blood for you. Do you believe that? God commands the love of His people even toward those who Hate them. If you possess this love, it is evidence that you are a true child of God. Listen, it is not God's will that your heart be filled with hatred toward others. This is contrary to the Gospel of Jesus Christ which teaches that, God, that Christ gave Himself up for you as His enemy. He made the greatest sacrifice. And not at the point that you were good enough, but at the point that you hated Him, at the point that if you were there, you would have torn out His beard, spit in His face, rammed down the crown of thorns. Your hands and fingerprints are all over that moment and He laid His life down for you to show you the love of God. Christ didn't die for good people. Christ died for wicked people who are hostile toward Him. Can you look upon His cross and still harbor hatred for those who hate you? Can you understand the depth of His forgiveness? Can you understand the depth of His forgiveness that Pastor Danny just prayed about? Can you understand the depth of that forgiveness and not long for the good of those who've done you wrong? Dear brothers and sisters, be the arteries which carry the love of the heart of God to this world? Are you flowing well with that love or do you represent a diseased artery? The answer to that question is critical to your spiritual health. Give attention to it. Amen. Let's pray. Our father, in the last analysis, as we think about the infinitely, infinite difficulty of this command: "Love your enemies." We recognize that our first enemy, and that whole command is our, our flesh. Father, our fa- flesh c- cries out to hate. We, f- we enjoy hating other people. We enjoy desiring the harm of other people, especially those who bring us harm. Especially those who magnify the tax code and diminish our liberties as a people. We like to hate them. We get a certain sense of pleasure in it. But this only testifies to us that we are tax collectors and Gentiles, not the children of God. So Lord, we plead with You we need a change of heart. And we ask that You would work in us in such a way that we would desire the good of those who seek our harm. That we would seek the good, seek to serve those who who try to hurt us. Help us to look to Christ. Help us to look to His wounds which are because of us in doing this. God, we can't. We can't. Apart from Your supernatural work. So on the one hand, we confess it as sin, and on the other hand, beg You for help. Work in and through us to be healthy arteries carrying Your love to this world. Even as You cause the sun to rise, and send the rain on the just and the unjust. We ask it for the sake of the glory of Jesus Christ. Amen.